0: Welcome to the Fitness Industry Success Show. Ideas, inspiration, and interviews to take your fitness business to the next level. level. With over 23 years of fitness industry experience and the founder of Lead Lion, an innovative fitness marketing agency, here's your host, Nick Parker.
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Fitness Industry Success Show. I'm here today with... Leanna Van, she is uh, in-house here at our company Lead Lion and she is an amazing marketer, but she's gonna be helping me host today with a Q&A session. So we have a bunch of questions from uh, viewers, subscribers, or uh, you know just fitness business owners that have questions. And so we're gonna be answering those questions today and doing our best to help you overcome those issues. So, Leanna, how you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, how about you, Nick?
1: Oh. You know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm excited about this show.
0: Yeah,
1: we took a hiatus for a little while uh, from the fitness industry success show because things got so busy. Uh But now we're we're ramping up again, and we're excited. We've got some good guests lined up coming up too. Right?
0: Yep, we do. now we're back up and running
1: back up and running so i'm looking forward to it so without further ado let's go ahead and dive into the questions and uh, get these answers let's get
0: to it so first question i have two gyms about 15 miles apart in a suburban area with a good amount of competition over the last few years our lead volume from advertising has gone down considerably what are the best ways to get leads back up again
1: Okay, so um, you know, there's several things that you wanna look at here that you wanna audit. Number one is, have you been running the same offer over and over again throughout the entire year? Um, Like every January, you run the same offer. Every August, you run the same offer. So what you wanna do is you wanna be a little bit more disruptive. You don't have to change the offer entirely, but you need to change the way it's positioned, the way it's worded, the way it looks. So if you're running zero enrollment all the time, it's definitely time to change that offer. Um, So that's gonna be one thing. Um, I would run something a lot more aggressive to get your lead volume up and cast a wider net. So maybe like an extended pass, uh, value stack the offer to where you have, Uh, For example, instead of just zero enrollment, maybe zero enrollment first month free and tack on like a two or three day pass on the front of that. So you're casting a wider net. Your value stacking um, include more amenities. So if you have like upgraded memberships um, where you have like recovery zones or recovery modalities or things like that, include that in there, PT, whatever. Um, But value stack it, you've got to have a disruptive offer. The other thing you want to look at is, you know, what channels are you talking about? If you're looking at the history, um, advertising tends to get a little bit more expensive over time. Um, it's not outrageous, we're still seeing, you know, one, two, three, $5 leads on social channels right now for advertising, but uh, maybe your ad costs have just gone up. Um, and so maybe look at the efficiency of your marketing efforts uh, there. And um, lastly, I would say, um, are you spending the same amount of money? Um, because if you're spending the same amount of money as you were five years ago, maybe you just need to spend a little bit more. Um, but if, it, if your cost per lead has gone up substantially, uh, that could be an issue that's reflective of like, the offer, the creative, ad fatigue. People are tired of seeing uh, your ads because uh, you're not you know, mixing things up, changing your messaging, things like that. So hopefully that helps
0: all right what else next question i have five health clubs and get close to a thousand leads a month but membership sales are slow what are the best practices for turning leads into members
1: okay so you have you don't necessarily have a lead flow problem uh what you have is a conversion problem right um so it really depends like where these leads coming from um you, you ever see the uh you know, a lot of the websites that'll have like a, um, a membership gate. So if you go to a website, you want to see their membership prices, mm-hmm. you have to put in your name and your email to be able to see their membership yeah. prices. Those are like the worst leads ever. Those are just tire kickers shopping. it's
0: like stopping. contact to get info or something like that.
1: Yeah, those are not good leads because um, mm-hmm. they're just trying to see the price wall. Mm-hmm. They're going through the price wall. So you can get a thousand of those and those convert at like less than 2% or something like that. So um, typically, there's always exceptions. But... That's something um, you want to look at, like, where are your lead gen channels? So if you're running like Facebook ads, Instagram ads, TikTok ads, Google ads, YouTube ads, you know, all these different uh, channels, and you're getting leads coming in, and you're getting a thousand of them, and you're not converting them, then there's a follow-up problem. There's a back-end infrastructure problem. So what you'd want to look at is follow-up. You know, we tell everyone to follow-up once, twice, a hundred times, right? <laughs> yeah. Twenty at least twenty one times yeah. um, over the course of you know the first few weeks, but the first twenty four hours are really critical. You have to have a super strong follow up system in place to convert uh, advertising leads. Um, let's talk. You know what we should talk about right now is is the fact that people are at different stages of the buying cycle, mm-hmm. right? So you have. Uh, a certain percentage, let's call it 10 to 20% that may be actively shopping and that fluctuates throughout time of year. Yeah. January and back to school time in like the fall are the two highest intent times a year when people are looking mm-hmm. and shopping for a membership. So you're gonna have higher conversion rates during those times because intent's higher. Then you have this middle group, which is kind of like the little, a uh, little, eh, how'd that go? <laughs> whatever. Hey, whatever, yeah. They're, they're kind of like, you know, I want to get in shape, I want to feel good. I want to go to the gym and live this lifestyle, but I don't want to make the change. I don't want to change my diet and I don't want to feel sore and I don't want to go through the intimidation factor of starting mm-hmm. a new program or a fitness program. And so what happens is you have this middle ground of which is probably the, uh, a large majority of the people, that have the desire but don't have the willpower the intent and when your advertising comes through and it triggers something they get interested and excited about it they're going to opt in but then that next day the emotion wears off and if you haven't followed up fast enough they're they're cold right and it's going to mm-hmm. be hard to convert that lead and then you have the bottom like 10 20% they're just never no matter what you do they're never going to work out you know you got uh, somebody that lives on a 30-acre farm mm-hmm. <laughs> 20 miles out, and they're just never going to go to the yeah. gym. You know, so it's you got all these different groups. So um, I would say that when you're focused on lead gen, that top, you know, the high-intent leads, and then also that middle ground where, you know, you have to have a really strong follow-up system, uh, that's, I don't like to use the word, what's the A word I always use? Aggressive.
0: Oh, aggressive. I, <laughs> I don't know like... what you were thinking of, <laughs> But But... Um, <laughs>
1: I don't like to use the word aggressive, but I like to use the word diligent. Mm -hmm. So diligent follow-up, which means contact them within the first five, 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. again, like an hour later, again, later on that evening. And then you have a really strong cadence and a sequence of follow-up that includes the phone, includes text messages, and includes emails going to that lead, Mm -hmm. right? Have you ever, have you opted into anything recently where you got followed up with like, can you think of anything?
0: Yeah. Whenever what I was, was shopping, it? I added something to my cart, and I left it. And so then I got a text. It was like, here's like 15% off. Ah, Go get back to your cart. Yeah. Like, don't lose it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that happened to me not too long. I got a new GoPro mm-hmm. uh, not that long ago, and I did the same thing. I yeah. added it to the cart. When I added it to the cart and I left and I didn't come back, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, all the retargeting ads were get... Uh, like 20% mm-hmm. off or 10%, well, something like that. And then you, if you click that, you get the promo code immediately. So it's, yeah. it's bringing you back to cart. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good example of that. So follow up, being aggressive, being diligent, not aggressive, diligent. Mm-hmm. Aggressive is the wrong word. You, you come across spammy if you're mm-hmm. aggressive. Okay, cool. All right, so what's the next question?
0: All right, next question. We run a lean staff, so the front desk doubles as salespeople. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to gym owners who have front desk staff selling memberships?
1: Okay, this is a really common, common uh, thing that happens Mm -hmm. in the industry ever since 2020. So people started running on really lean staffs, whether you're a gym that's got thousands of members or a studio with like hundreds of members. People started relying on front desk staff instead of having dedicated sales teams. And there's nothing wrong with that except for the fact that they're not being trained. so what has to happen is when a front desk person comes on, a couple of things that I think about right away is are they incentivized to sell? Is there a motivation to do it or is it just kind of one of their, their tasks that they're going throughout the day? If they're incentivized to do it, there's gonna be a lot more effort put into the sales side of things. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think about is training. When you onboard a front desk person, they typically learn how to check someone in, how to answer the phone, um, you know, maybe how to give a tour, uh, but there's not a lot of sales training. Mm-hmm. And you can't neglect your salespeople. They're yeah. like the lifeblood of your business, right? So if you're, doing, uh, if you're having your front desk staff sell memberships, um, what I would do is teach them everything from how to answer the phone and control that conversation, how to handle a walk-in and to control that conversation, mm-hmm. how to give a proper tour, and then how to do a proper price presentation uh, to make sure that they're fully equipped and well-trained and then doesn't stop there. It's not like... Uh, you train them and you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, like we we don't ever stop training here. We're always learning and innovating and, and doing, uh, taking things to the next level.
0: You've got to be constantly throwing like new things at them, yeah, for, for them to be able to really learn and grow themselves. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because mm-hmm. if they're not if they're not role playing, if mm-hmm. they're not training on a regular basis, if they're not constantly like in it, um, they're not going to do it. And then you also have to build conviction. Mm-hmm. So like. Um, conviction would be for front desk staff is like, hey, look at all the lives you're changing. All these people that you signed up last month that are now on the path to a better uh, you know, lifestyle. They're mm-hmm. feeling better. Their families are you know, doing better or whatever. You have to build conviction. Look at past reviews, past testimonials um, to build that belief that you know, what I'm doing is important. What I'm doing is, is going to make a difference. So mm-hmm. uh, invest invest time strategically into your front desk staff to become good salespeople. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. All right, we got, any, we got a couple more, I think.
0: Yep. All right, so next one. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels with retention because we're spinning, mm. signing up about the same amount of members that we're losing each month. What's the best way to keep members longer?
1: This is a really good one. Um, there's so many different ways we can attack this. But one of the things that I would do first is find out what your NPS score is, your net promoter mm-hmm. score by you. There's a lot of tools out there that you can use um, to survey your members and find out what your NPS score is and see if it's good or bad and, and what the issues are on why people are leaving. because you know i can make all the suggestions in the world but you're kind of flying blind if you don't know why they're leaving Mm -hmm. right so you want to find out where people are at um as far as satisfaction also do exit interviews or exit surveys so when they leave find out you know what could we have done better why'd you cancel um and then there's also i moved away you know and legitimate reasons Mm -hmm. uh, financial crisis or whatever uh, that you don't take into account on situations like that but what i would suggest. It, it doesn't start don't think about the cancellation and trying to save it think about the onboarding think about when that new member signs up what's that experience typically when you go and sign up what do you get uh, a digital agreement emailed to you as a confirmation and that's it right and
0: you get your key card or whatever yeah even if now it's on the, the app, app.
1: <laughs> so um maybe you get a key card so if if that's all you get and then you never hear from them again and then once in a while it's, hey, how are you? And nobody remembers your name mm-hmm. and it's just like really cold. You're just a number in the cog, uh, the wheel, and it's really easy to cancel. But on the flip side, if you onboard somebody and they get some swag maybe Mm -hmm. it's a gym bag or a t-shirt they get water bottles something like that Uh, maybe they get introduced to a trainer maybe they get introduced to the manager Uh, maybe they get an integration session where they learn how to use the equipment if they haven't used it before maybe they get an evaluation and they build relationships maybe they get introduced to a class they take a class and then the instructor in the class introduces them to two or three of those regulars that take the classes all the time Mm -hmm. and makes them feel comfortable and welcome you know like the old show Cheers, where everybody knows your name.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this is a funny story. Back home in Arkansas, uh, my gym there. Whenever I would miss a day, the GM or any employee they would text me. They'd be like, "You missed today. Where were you at?" <laughs> like literally, it was my birthday one day, and they're like, "Happy birthday, birthday girl!" But wh- where's your birthday workout at? Yeah. <laughs> Are nice. you coming in? I was yeah. like, "No." <laughs> but yeah,
1: that's awesome. It's
0: a good way to build like that relationship, and it's very important. For your employee, like your whole team, to just get to know everyone, whether it's just like a "Hey, what's your name?" Right, like exactly. saying hi every day. That's very important, and that means yep. something to someone.
1: Yeah, and and I agree with that. And for those of you that are listening that maybe have like 5,000, 10,000 members, like there's no way we can do that. Um, There's there's ways you can automate these touch points um, and then just have really good training at your Mm -hmm. front desk, your instructors to where your community of people, your members, you build a culture to where they're building relationships and it's the staff and the members building relationships. You're building that tight knit community Mm -hmm. uh, that really helps just get people integrated. So I would say start there. NPS scores, mm-hmm. find out why people are leaving, uh, revamp your onboarding process, make that a whole lot better, um, and then uh, we'll go from there, so.
0: All right, uh, my husband and I own three fitness studios and are thinking about selling. What should we be doing to get the business ready to sell and to get the best offer possible?
1: Oh, this is a great question. Been there, done that. Um, as you know, uh, for those of you that know my story, I've sold fitness businesses in the past that I owned, multiple location. And um, one of the, some of the things that they're gonna be looking for is um, obviously the financials, uh, because if someone's buying it, it's an investment opportunity, it's a business. Um, it's either gonna be a passion play or it's gonna be an acquisition from another fitness business that wants to expand their reach, um, or um, it's gonna be strictly an investment. So you're gonna to wanna to make sure your financials are dialed in, your books look good, they're nice and clean, you're showing profitability, and if you wanna get the best possible offer, you're showing growth. If mm-hmm. you are on a flatline trend or or a downtrend you're gonna get a really you're gonna get a fire sale offer. Um, if you're showing strong and steady growth, you're gonna get a good offer. Um, and typically in the industry on the lower end if you're doing like maybe a million or less or 1.5, you're gonna get maybe a multiple of like one to two, maybe three at top. Uh, and and you can get higher multiples if you're a bigger, much bigger business. Um, so yeah, so I would say start there. The other thing is key person. Mm -hmm. So, like, let's pretend um, I'm going to buy your business and I Mm -hmm. come in and you're running almost everything. Yeah. I can't buy that business because you don't come with the business Mm -hmm. unless you do come with the business, right? So, one of the most important.
0: I mean, for an extra price. (laughs) For a little bit more.
1: The biggest issue there is just making sure you have key people in place. Mm -hmm. So, that way, when the business transfers to the new owner, they don't miss a beat. Yeah. Sales continue to happen it's an easy transition
0: Members exactly. don't feel weird with the new owners right you know? there's still
1: a point of contact yeah. so make sure you have a key person mm-hmm. in place and they said I think they said they had three three locations mm-hmm. so you should have maybe like a regional manager mm-hmm. that's going to stay with the business that's very well trained and well versed on how to mm-hmm. run everything and it makes that transition really smooth. Um, so first focus on your financials make sure that you have a steady line growth you're you're pushing hard to show growth. everything is nice and clean number two make sure you have a key person in place that comes with the business and it's well staffed so that way the business can transition easily and smoothly without you Um, And then lastly, um, do inventory, think about what's included in the sale, what's not included in the sale. Um, There's gonna be like PP&E, like equipment, fixtures, um, digital assets, like if you have a YouTube channel, things like that, that's all gonna be negotiated and part of the process. So make sure that you're creating a list of that, all this stuff that's included in the sale and you're really determining how that's gonna be uh, allocated and transferred, so. Cool. All right. Uh, I think that was the last question. So guys, if you have, uh, we like these Q&A shows once in a while just to to give you guys some uh, answers on some different things. Um, Would love to help. So if you have questions, hello at leadlinemarketing.com. Just send your questions there and we'll add them to the list for next time. And until then, thanks for joining and tuning in. Make sure you like, share, subscribe uh, if you got any value from the show and we'll see you next time.